our souls to receive God's word for us this morning. So please stand as we hear God's word from the prophet Habakkuk. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Habakkuk. How long, Yahweh, am I to cry for help while you do not listen? How long will I cry oppression in your ear and you do not save? Why do you make me look upon injustice? Why do you countenance tyranny, outrage and violence? This is all I see. All is contention and discord flourishes. The law loses its hold and justice never shows itself. The corrupt triumph over those who are righteous and justice is perverted once again. I will stand on my watchtower and take up my post with my battlements, watching to see what God will say to me, what answers God will make to my complaints. Then Yahweh replied, write down this vision, inscribe it legibly on tablets, so that a herald can easily read it, since this vision will stand as a witness to the appointed time of judgment. It gives faithful testimony about a time that will come. If it is slow in coming, wait for it. For come, it will without fail. Look, those whose hearts are corrupt will faint with exhaustion, while those who steadfastly uphold justice will live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Emily. You may be seated. My friends, let's pray. God, breath of life, creator, sustainer that is moving in in our being and around us, we show up to you today. Open our eyes to see, to see the world as it is in its chaos and its brokenness and its needs and to see even deeper the world and its hopes the world that is drenched in your presence, the world that feels connected and alive. Teach us to see. And so we come and cry out to you. We join the voice of your prophets and your peoples from the beginning and to the end because we believe that you are here. And so in your name we pray, amen. We're talking about prayer, and we're talking about what images of prayer do we hold. So just out of curiosity, what image, when I say the word prayer, what image comes to your mind? Anyone? Say again? Nature. Precious moment doll, yes. There's a lot of like, they could see those bookmarks or those. And someone's like, I have no clue what she's talking about right now. (laughs) Any other images of prayer when I say the word prayer? Folded hands. Open hands. I imagine my family attempting to pray at dinner again while we're half eating and some are singing and yelling out loud. Any other ones? What images of prayer do you have? Walking. Quietness. 
So we have these images, whether we know them or not. We have images that kind of feed into what we believe and think and how we act and things in general. And it's important at times in our journey together to reflect on what images are we holding and how are they serving us? In what ways could we maybe reimagine, re-image some of the things in which we are practicing and moving in? In my own life, I've seen ups and downs of seasons of prayer. I've held images that I couldn't get to and been given gifts of new images that became places of freedom. Well, today we want to look at this idea of this image of prayer, of how do we pray? What do our prayers look like when some days I don't believe any of this? Have you ever prayed in that moment? I don't believe any of this. As a pastor, and um, I feel at times like I kind of fluctuate through these two. If you know me well, you've maybe seen both of these faces. At some points, I'm like Tigger, just bouncing around and so excited and just like energy is flowing through me. And then at the very next moment, I turn and I like turn into this very Eeyore that's just like, I don't believe any of this at any moment. It's been a burden at times to hold these, the, these two things that seem at opposition with each other. For me, doubt has been a central part to my journey of faith. And I've shared that with our community many times, maybe too many times. I also have been met in that place in my life by this community, by others, And by God. And so the prophet cries out by looking into the world and says, How long, God? How long will I cry oppression in your ear and you do not save? The prophet cries out, turning to God in a lament, in a doubt, in a prayer, in this real vulnerable space. What's amazing about this prophet, Habakkuk, is this idea of, it's not, usually most of the prophets are speaking to the people and say, hey, you need to get your stuff together. You're not worshiping right. You're not caring for the poor right. And we need to turn it around or this is going in a really bad direction. This prophet starts with something else, turns towards God and says, God, how long? Are you seeing what I'm seeing in the world? Are you seeing the systems and the people? Are you seeing the broken relationships that are happening in my own life and are happening to those I deeply care for? Do you see it, God? The prophet cries out from a central place of doubt, from a central place of looking at the reality of their world, a people that are being conquered and oppressed and being taken captive. And sold into slavery, this prophet looks at that reality and cries out to God. And this prophet is not alone. But there are generations and generations of people who have seen this reality in their own life and for their own people. And they too, at times, have cried out to this God. And so what do these prayers look like? These prayers, when we're in a moment, maybe for the sake of others, 
We're seeing chaos and oppression, and we're wondering how long will this happen for them. Maybe it's in our own life where we're just riddled with doubt and confusion in our own pain and struggle, and we wonder how long. I was listening to one of my um, favorite poets, um, Christian Wyman, who was talking on On Being, and he was talking about um, how he kind of has this like love relationship with doubt and faith and how it shaped his life. He He said this in his interview, doubt is so woven in with and what I think of as faith that they can't be separated. And I am convinced that the same God that might call me to sing of God at one time might call me at another to sing of godlessness. God, you're not here. I do not see you. I think it may be the case that God calls some people to unbelief in order that faith may take new forms. When I heard that, the Eeyore will, took great hope. Because I have found that to be true in my life. Though it's hard to hear that unbelief, the loss of God at times happens so that new forms of faith can arise. And oh, how I wish they arose quickly. But the prophet, God says to the prophet, wait, wait, wait. Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, well, that's not my story. Like, that is so good. (laughs) I don't know if all of us are called into the different places of the struggles of doubt and faith. We just need to be where we are at. I do know that there are some gifts. And I want to share some of those with you today. Gifts that happen in this posture of praying through and in and during doubt and suffering. One is this, doubt has a way of cleansing out our false gods. It has a way of, we create these images of God, we create, our culture creates these images of God and hands them and says, this is an image of prayer, this is an image of what God is, and we go, oh, okay, and so we take it in, and maybe it serves us for a little bit, but then doubt comes in and it just says, you know what, let's scrap it. Let's kind of set that aside. I had a good friend that was kind of struggling in his own life and struggling with his God. And he sat down with his counselor and counselor said, have you ever thought of just like firing the God who is speaking these words of shame into your life? And he's like, can we do that? It's like, yeah, go for it. We see again and again, this is just what humans do. We create God after our own image. We create God after the images of our systems and our powers. And we shape and create these gods and then we serve and to this, doubt enters the room and says, let's, let's clear it out. Let's give space for a new and a living God. It sounds freeing, and it also is grieving. There's a great um, Zen teaching that says, if you meet Buddha on the road, kill him. The idea being that if you ever kind of come across this thing that says, you know what, this is it. This is God labeled and cleared, packaged, and delivered to you. It's not God. Read it. God, from the very beginning of naming God's self, said, I am that I am. We cannot, lab- we cannot label, package, create, sell, market, and control. And doubt teaches us, suffering teaches us this gift. Doubt has always been a central part to my journey, but let me tell you this, faith and hope has always, and I think 
will always be in my bones and my body. They work together in my own life and in many of the lives of others I've seen. So one, doubt gives us this gift of cleansing out our God. Doubt also gives us the ability to actually look at the world sometimes as it is. That we no longer kind of churn our head away from the things that are happening in our own life, in our own pain. We no longer churn our way from the stories and the people who feel marginalized and pushed to the sides of society. We don't churn our face away from wars and violence, from abuse. We look at it as it is and we say, what? How long, God? How long will I cry out oppression in your ear? Will you save The prophets were amazing human beings who looked at the world and saw it as it is, and they named it. And you know there are still prophets living here now in this world who look at the world and name it as it is, and you hear it and you go, that's a hard truth, but I've been thinking and feeling that as well. That courageous doubt allows us to look at things as they are, to name them as they are, to face them as they are. Those are some of the gifts. Let me tell you some of the things that are painful. And I probably don't need to tell you because you've lived them. Our doubts, our suffering, our struggles can be some of the most isolating moments of our lives. We face them and we feel like we are completely alone. We face the oppression in our world and we feel like we are so small and can't make a difference. We become completely isolated. In my own narcissistic, kind of just looking at my own life and just in this kind of spiral, It feels like we're floating in this ocean and no one is near. And it can be a real scary place for people. A dangerous place at times. So I want to look at this image of prayer. This is by the artist that we've been using for the last um, weeks or so by Scott Erickson of this idea of, of kind of praying in the midst of our doubt and what it looks like. This image is this ship that feels isolated, alone, out there in the middle, wondering, where are you, God? When we doubt, we feel isolated, we feel alone, we wonder if any, any others are near to us. But then some things can begin to happen as we express them in a posture of prayer. That place that felt like a void becomes like a womb. That ocean that feels like it was so expansive begins to feel like it is, an, it is taking us in as the hands of God are holding us. One of my good friends was telling me about um, kind of her own struggle with anxiety and kind of just how she was starting to go to church and figuring out. And at one point she said, I just prayed the first prayer maybe I've ever prayed, a real honest prayer to God. And I said, Jesus... I don't even know how to do this, but I'm scared. And she said, at that very moment, I felt held. And that feeling of being held has has not left me. 
I teared up because that's what I long to feel. That's what we long to feel. Held in the midst of our isolation. I can be clear from my own journey by this community and by friends and family and by God at times I have felt held. Called out of isolation, called out of the depths of despair, not with easy answers, but with full presence. In the midst of the wilderness and doubt, we begin to encounter the presence of God in amazing ways. And so, like the prophet, we are called to cry out, to pray out, and then we are called to stand on the watchtower. I love this image of the prophet going up to the watchtower, and I stand on my watchtower watching to see what God will say to me. Have you ever prayed this way? Like, you know what? I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to pray and see what you have to say to this situation. I'm going to open my eyes to this world and to others and to my own life and see what you want to speak in this situation. Connected with our art is this, this saying, this um, quote. A believer is someone who is skeptical, skeptical what we are all, that we are all on our own. Skept, this skepticism skepticism is grounded in the daily witness of yet of a simple yet sacred intentionality to have eyes to see is to practice looking deeply in all that is and observe the hands of providence enmeshed in it all to believe is to trust that the dynamics of our incarnation are not to be worked out solely on our own but are an invitation to participate in God's loving intentionality. We pray not because we always have the perspective to believe this. We pray because we've learned that this is the way in which we grow into this perspective. To have the eyes to see. Doubt allows us to look clearly into the places in our lives where We see hurt and pain, struggle, and we wonder, where is God? But also, we can see deeper. We can see other realities that are embedded embedded in it all. I've learned to apply my gift of skepticism to my doubts at times. To doubt my doubts. Not for the sake of feeling good or an easy way out, but for a way of trying to get a whole width and breadth of seeing. To see the world fully. You know that some of the most broken places in your life have been the places of gifts. You know some of the people that seem to be struggling the most have such stories of grace and love and connection. It's never just one way. And so our prayers in these seasons give us ways in which we can see deeply beauty in the brokenness. Amazing theologian James Cohn writes this. Suffering naturally gives rise to doubt. How can, how can one believe in a God in the face of such horrendous suffering as slavery, segregation, and the lynching tree? Under these circumstances, doubt is not a denial, but an integral part of faith. It keeps faith from being sure of itself. But doubt does not have the final word. 
he writes. The final word is faith giving rise to hope. This weekend I had the gift of going to a conference um, in which there was a lot of people who have felt spiritually, emotionally, and societally in the margins and in the wilderness of their life. And they gathered together and they shared communion and song and teaching and life. And as I was there, I had this sense of what he is saying, that the final word is faith giving rise to hope. When that hope is spoken not from a place of just ease and privilege and comfort, but when that hope is spoken from the depths and the void of doubt, suffering, oppression, that is a hope that I am willing to die for. So friends, may your doubt allow you the space to see the space to see the world as it honestly is. And may your hope and faith allow you the space to see the world even more deeply. Let's pray.